Chapter Nine of Five Little Peppers Midway. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Brianna Simmons. Five Little Peppers Midway by Margaret Sidney. Chapter Nine: A Sudden Blow. Mamsie cried Polly suddenly and resting her hands on her knees as she sat on the floor before the stove. Do you suppose there is any one poor enough in Badgertown to need the little brown house when we lock it up tomorrow? Not a soul, replied Mrs. Pepper quickly. No more than there was when we first locked it up five years ago, Polly. I've been all over that with the parson last evening, and he says there isn't a new family in the place, and all the old ones have their homes the same as ever. So we can turn the key and leave it with a clear conscience. Polly drew a long breath of delight and gazed long at the face of the stove that seemed to crackle out an answering note of joy as the wood snapped merrily. Then she slowly looked around the kitchen. It's so perfectly lovely, Mamsie, she broke out at length, to see the dear old things and to know that they are waiting here for us to come back whenever we want to. And to think it isn't wicked not to have them used because everybody has all they need. Oh, it is so delicious to think they can be left to themselves. She folded her hands now across her knees and drew another long breath of content. Phronsie stole out of the bedroom and came slowly up to her mother's side, pausing a bit on the way to look into Polly's absorbed face. I don't think, Mamsie, she said quietly, that people ought to be so very good who've never had a little brown house, never in all their lives. Oh, yes, they had, child, said Mrs. Pepper briskly. Places don't make any difference. It's people's duty to be good wherever they are. But Phronsie's face expressed great incredulity. I'm always going to live here when I'm a big grown-up woman, she declared, slowly gazing around the kitchen. And I shall never never go out of Badgertown. Oh, Phronsie! exclaimed Polly, turning around in dismay. Why, you couldn't do that. Just think, child, whatever in the world would Grandpapa do, or any of us, pray tell. Grandpapa would come here, declared Phronsie decidedly, and shaking her yellow head to enforce her statement. Of course, Grandpapa would come here, Polly. We couldn't live without him. That's it, said Polly, with a corresponding shake of her brown head. Of course we couldn't live without Grandpapa. And just as, of course, he couldn't leave his own dear home. He would never be happy, Phronsie, to do that. Phronsie took a step or two into the sunshine lying in the middle of the old kitchen floor. Then I'd rather not come, Polly, she said. But she sighed, and Polly was just about saying, We'll run down now and then, perhaps, Phronsie, as we have done now. When the door was thrown open suddenly, and Joel burst in, his face as white as a sheet, and working fearfully. Oh, Polly, you must tell Mrs. Whitney I can't. Polly sprang to her feet. Mrs. Pepper, who had just stepped into the pantry, was saying, I think, Polly, I'll make some apple dumplings. The boys like them so much. What is it, Joe? cried Polly hoarsely, and standing quite still, Phronsie, with wide eyes, went up and took the boy's cold hand and gazed into his face as he leaned against the door. Dick! groaned Joel. Oh, oh, I can't bear it! And covering his face with one hand, he would have pulled the other from Phronsie's warm little palm, but she held it fast. Tell me at once, Joe, commanded Polly. Hush! Mother! But Mrs. Pepper was already out of the pantry. 
"'Joel,' said Mrs. Pepper, "'whatever it is, tell us immediately.' The look in her black eyes forced him to gasp in one breath. "'Dick fell off the double ripper, and both of his legs are broken. Maybe not,' he added in a loud scream. Phronsie still held the boy's hand. He was conscious of it, and that she uttered no word, and then he knew no more. "'Leave him to me, Polly,' said Mrs. Pepper, through drawn lips, "'and then do you run as you have never run before to the parsonage. "'Oh, if they should bring him there before the mother hears!' Phronsie dropped the hand she held, and running on unsteady little feet into the bedroom, came back with Polly's hood and coat. "'Let me go!' cried Polly wildly, rushing away from the detaining hand to the door. "'I don't want those things on. Let me go, Phronsie!' "'You'll be cold,' said Phronsie. With all her care, her little white lips were quivering as she held out the things. "'Please, Polly,' she said piteously. "'The child is right. Put them on,' commanded Mrs. Pepper, for one instant taking her thought from her boy, and Polly obeyed, and was gone. In the parsonage best room sat Mrs. Whitney. Her rocking-chair was none of the easiest, being a hair-cloth affair, its cushion very much elevated in the world just where it should have been depressed, so that one was in constant danger of slipping off its surface. Moreover, the arms and back of the chair were covered with indescribable arrangements, made and presented by loving parishioners, and demanding unceasing attention from the occupant. But the chair was drawn up in the sunshine pouring into the window, and Mrs. Whitney's thoughts were sunny, too, for she smiled now and then as she drew her needle busily in and out through the bright wools. How restful it all is here, and so quaint and simple! She glanced up now to the high-backed mantel with its wealth of daguerreotypes, and surprising collection of dried leaves in tall china vases, and over the walls adorned with pine-cone framed pictures, to the centre table loaded with annuals, and one or two volumes of English poetry, and then her gaze took in the little paths the winter sunshine was making for itself along the red and green ingrain carpet. I'm so glad father thought to bring us all. Dear father, it is making a new man of him, this winter frolic. Why, she was looking out the window now, and her hands fell to her lap as Polly Pepper came running breathlessly down the village street, her hood untied, and the coat grasped with one hand and held together across her breasts. But it was the face that terrified Mrs. Whitney, and hurrying out of her chair, she ran out to the veranda as the girl rushed through the gateway. "'Polly, child!' cried Mrs. Whitney, seizing her with loving arms and drawing her on the steps. "'Oh, what is it, dear?' Polly's lips moved, but no words came. "'Oh,' at last, "'don't hate us for bringing you to the little brown house. "'Why did we come?' and convulsively she threw her young arms around the kind neck. "'Oh, Auntie, Dicky is hurt, but we don't know how much. "'His, his legs, Joel says—' "'But it may not be as bad as we think, dear auntie.' Mrs. Whitney trembled so that she could scarcely stand. Around them streamed the same winter sunshine that had been so bright a moment since. How long ago it seemed, and out of gathering clouds in her heart she was saying, "'Polly, dear, God is good. We will trust him.' She did not know her own voice, nor realize when Polly led her mercifully within, as a farmer's wagon came slowly down the street, to stop at the parsonage gate, nor even when Dick was brought in, white and still, could she think of him as her boy. It was some other little figure, and she must go and help them care for him. 
her boy would come bounding in presently happy and ruddy with a kiss for mamma and a world of happy nonsense just as usual it was only when mrs henderson came in and took her hand to lead her into the next room that it all came to her oh dick and she sprang to the side of the sofa where he lay my child my child and then came dr fisher and the truth was known one of dick's legs was broken below the knee the other badly bruised only jasper and the mother remained in the room while the little doctor set the limb and after what seemed an age to the watchers the boy came out he bore it like a trojan declared jasper wiping his forehead i tell you dick's our hero after this now i should like to know how all this happened demanded mr king the old gentleman had remained at the parsonage to get a good morning nap while the snow frolic was in progress and he had been awakened by the unusual bustle below the stairs in time to hear the welcome news that dicky was all right since dr fisher was taking care of him he now presented himself in his dressing-gown with his sleeping-cap awry over a face in which anger distress and impatience strove for the mastery speak up my boy to jasper and tell us what you know about it well the first thing i knew of any danger ahead said jasper was hearing dick sing out hold up i supposed the double ripper all right didn't you ben yes said ben sturdily and it was all right just exactly as we used to make them we boys there wasn't a weak spot anywhere in her sir who was steering demanded old mr king almost fiercely i was said van beginning boldly enough to let his voice die out in a tremulous effort <sighs> responded mr king grimly a bad business shaking his head van would began percy but his eye meeting polly's he added we'd none of us done any better i don't believe sir than van van was now choking so badly that the greatest kindness seemed to be not to look at him accordingly the little company turned their eyes away and regarded each other instead well so dick rolled off proceeded the old gentleman oh no he didn't said all three boys together he stuck fast to the double ripper we ran into a tree and dick was pitched off head first but honestly and truly father said jasper i do not think that it was the fault of the steerer indeed it was not declared ben stoutly there was an ugly little gully that we hadn't seen under the snow we'd been down four or five times all right but only missed it by a hair-breadth this time the ripper stuck into it i suppose dick felt it bump as it was on his side and sang out and as quick as lightning we were against that tree it was as much my fault as any one's and more because i ought to have known that old hill thoroughly i share the blame ben broke in jasper old fellow if you pitch into yourself you'll have to knock me over too come here vanny said old mr king holding out his hand why you needn't be afraid my boy aghast at the tears that no power on earth could keep back now all leave the room please where's polly asked ben on the other side of the door she's run home said david i guess she isn't here and that's where i must be too cried ben bounding off when van was next seen he was with old mr king and wearing all signs of having received his full share of comfort phronsie just tying on her little hood to go down to the parsonage to ask after dicky looked out of the window to exclaim in pleased surprise why here comes dear grandpapa and then she rushed out to meet him here's my little girl cried the old gentleman opening his arms when she immediately ran into them now we're all right is dicky all right 
asked Phronsie anxiously, as she fell into step by his side. "'Yes, indeed, as well as a youngster can be who's broken his leg.' Phronsie shivered. "'But then, that's nothing,' Mr. King hastened to add. "'I broke my own when I was a small shaver no bigger than Dick, and I was none the worse for it. Boys always have some trifling mishaps, Phronsie.' "'Ben never broke his leg, nor Joel, nor Davy,' said Phronsie. "'Must they yet, Grandpapa?' "'Oh, dear, no!' declared Mr. King hastily. "'That isn't necessary. I only meant that they must have something. "'Now, you see, Ben had the measles, you know.' "'Yes, he did,' said Phronsie, quite relieved to think that this trial could take the place of the unusual leg-breaking episode in a boy's career. "'And so did Joel and Davy, all of them, Grandpapa, dear.' "'Exactly. Well, and then Ben had to work hard, and Joel and Davy, too, for that matter.' So, you see, it wasn't as essential that they should break their legs, child. But Jasper and Percy and Van don't have to work hard. Oh, I don't want them to break their legs, said Phronsie in a worried tone. You don't think they will, Grandpapa, dear, do you? Please say they won't. I don't think there is the least danger of it, said Mr. King, especially as I shall put an end to this double ripper business, though not because this upset was anybody's fault. Remember that, Phronsie. Van's head, which had dropped a bit at the last words, came up proudly. Van here has acted nobly. He put his hand on the boy's shoulder, and would have saved Dickie if he could. It was a pure accident that nobody could help except by keeping off from the abominable thing. Well, here we are at the little brown house, and there's your mother, Phronsie, waiting for us in the doorway. Halloo! cried Van, rushing over the flat stone and past Mrs. Pepper. Where's Joel? Oh, here, you old chap! "'Well, Mrs. Pepper,' said the old gentleman, coming up to the step, Phronsie hanging to his hand. "'This looks like starting for town to-morrow, doesn't it?' "'Oh, what shall we do, sir?' cried Mrs. Pepper in distress. "'To think you have to come down here in the goodness of your heart to be met with such an accident as this. What shall we do?' she repeated. "'Goodness of my heart,' repeated Mr. King, nevertheless well pleased at the tribute. "'I've had as much pleasure out of it all as you or the young people. I want you to realize that.' "'So does any one who does a kind act,' replied Mrs. Pepper, wiping her eyes. "'Well, sir, now how shall we manage about going back?' "'That remains to be seen,' said Mr. King slowly, and he took a long look at the winter sky and the distant landscape before he ventured more. "'It very much looks as if we all should remain for a few days "'to see how Dick is to get on. "'All but the four boys. "'They must pack off to school to-morrow, "'and then probably Mrs. Whitney will stay over with the boy "'till he can be moved. "'Dr. Fisher will do the right thing by him. "'Oh, everything is all right, Mrs. Pepper.' "'Mrs. Pepper sighed and led the way into the house. "'She knew, in spite of the reassuring words, "'that the extreme limit of the outing ought to be passed on the morrow.' End of chapter 9. Recording by Brianna Simmons. Carson City, Nevada. www.simmyspot.blogspot.com.